We're good. Okay, so this coming week, this coming Shabbos, we're going to read both Parshish Kalim and Parshish Mishpatim is going to be the regular weekly parish. Of course, there's the third Sefer Torah that we're going to take out for Rosh as well. So it's one of these few rare occasions that we take out three Sefer Torah. So I would like to focus a little bit upon what it is that the this mitzvah of Machtz um, Hashakel, of course, it's a mitzvah that we can't do any longer until the Besamikdash will be rebuilt in Yitz Hashem. But up until that point, we do have a commemoration of it. We give Machtz Hashakel as a minig. Uh, some people do it on Tanis Esther, some people do it on Purim itself. But the language that the Teragdash uses, this is in Perik Lamid right at the beginning of Parshas Kisisa, Pasuk Yud Aleph, and on. So the Pasuk uses the following language. Kisisa is Reish B'nei Yisrael if When you want to uplift the heads of B'nei Yisrael to count them, so each person should give an atonement for his, for his nefesh Tashem, so that there will not be a plague, and Rashi explains, because usually when you count people, we're subject to Nain Hora. This is what each person should give. A half shekel of the holy shekel. And uh, the wealthy person is not allowed to give more. The poor person is not allowed to give less. Everybody has to give a machtzis hashekel. So the Mepharshim already starting with the, the Rishonim and are, are troubled by why is it <clears throat> that the mitzvah is to give a half shekel, not a whole shekel. To confuse matters further, there's a very fascinating, Rashi partially quotes the Chazal, but the Chazal is a, a um, Talmud Yerushalmi, where Chazal tell us that Hashem showed Moshe a madbeya shel esh, a coin made of fire. Here's the exact language. Kemin matbeya shel esh, hoitzi HaKadosh Baruch Hu mitachas kisi Hashem took out something like a coin of fire from beneath his uh, throne, his throne of glory, and Hashem showed the coin to Moshe, and he said to him, this is what they should give, like this they should give. So, the other instances where Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu something, interestingly, were uh, the cases where, where Moshe Rabbeinu had difficulty comprehending what Hashem was trying to tell him. For instance, the Menorah was a very complicated vessel to create. Or the Mitzvah of Kiddush HaChadosh, where, where Moshe Rabbeinu had to exactly be Machavan, exactly where the, the moon was at that given time. So Hashem showed him exactly what it looks like. But a half dollar, a half shekel is not that complicated. What was it that Hashem needed to show Moshe Rabbeinu? A coin of fire. Moreover, Hashem could have easily have showed him a coin of silver. You know, the special effects have their place, but why did Hashem need to show him a coin of fire, and why was it coming from beneath the Kisya Kovit? And what's the relationship between the, the language of the Mishnah is that on the first day of Adar, that's when they made the announcement about collecting the this coin. What's its relationship to Purim? Alright, so let's go for a moment to the opening words in Parshas Mishpatim.
Parshas Mishpatim starts all the the. This is mamish literally a few psukim after Hashem finishes the Ten Commandments that we read yesterday. And here the pasuk says, mishpatim ashetosim lifneim." These are the laws, the rules, the statutes that you should place before them. And it goes into numerous financial laws. Most of the financial laws of the of Baba Basar, Baba Metzia, Baba Kama are contained in Parshas Mishpatim. This language of Ashetosim Lifnehem that you should place before them is rather odd. We would imagine that Hashem would say to Maish Rabbeinu, these are the laws that you should teach them. But what's the point with Ashetosim Lifnehem that you should place them before him? Rashi addresses it that you need to make it like a, a, a set table. So I want to share some ideas with you. And these are collected from a bunch of different places, and then hopefully I will be able to fuse them together at the end here. Last year, Pashas Yisrael, the Bab of Rabzalzangazint, raised a, a just a, an incredibly important um, concept regarding working on our Midas. And he addresses it as a springboard is that in, again, in this coming week's Pasha, Meshur Rabbeinu takes the Sefer Habris. We don't know exactly know what that is. We're going to discover in a moment. But this is in Shmais Chav Dalet Zayin. Vayikach Sefer Habris. He takes the Book of the Covenant, Vayikra Ba'oznei Ha'am, and he reads it to the ears of the nation, and Claudius all respond, and they say the famous words that we're so proud of and, and were extolled for, Kol Hashem Everything Hashem said, we will do and we will hear. Says Rashi on the spot, that the, in the name of the Mechilta, it's one of the swarm of, of Chazal, what was it the Sefer Abris that Moshe Rabbeinu read to which they responded Nasev and Ishma Moshe Rabbeinu Sefer Bereshis so listen to this we're at the Maimed HaSinai where HaKadosh Baruch gives us the Ten Commandments what does Moshe Rabbeinu do? he reads to the nation the book of Bereshis beginning with creation the lives of Noach, of Avram, of Yitzchak, and Yankim, of the Imois. That's what Meish Rabbeinu reads, to which they respond, Nasev and Ishma. What's it doing here? Moreover, the Gemara already struggles with what is the meaning of Nasev and Ishma. What, how can you possibly do something before you hear it? In fact, there's a, a tzedaki, the Gemara in Shabbos, Peches, tells us about a tzedaki that, that teased... Um, Claw Yisrael by saying you're an amapiziza, you're an impetuous nation. Your mouths precede your ears. First, listen to what he's saying, and then say you'll do it. Now, this claim, this proud moment of Nasim and Ishma, presents us with a different challenge. At the second recounting, the Impashas Veschana, Moshe Rabbeinu, in repeating the words of Klal Yisrael reverses the order. He says, not Nasev and Ishma, but he says that Klal Yisrael said in the Pasuk there, Vishamanu ve'osinu, and we will hear and we will do. <laughs> that's, that, that's 
if the whole pride is the fact that we said Nasa before we said Nishma, why would Moshe Rabbeinu re- reverse the order and say, and we will hear and we will do, that that's what Klai Yisrael said. It, it's counter, that, that, that exactly is the opposite of the pride of Klai Yisrael of Nasa and Nishma. That question is asked, Remendel Rimenever quotes that in his Sefer Diver Menachem, this question is asked there, and the fact is that the Chen Toiv printed in 1605 in Venice was one of the Chachme Svards. This is an old Sefer. Quotes this question in the name of Reb Shleim Al-Kabitz, who is best known to us as the author of Luchadoidi. Why would Moshe reverse something of such something of such pride? Nasiv Nishma to Vishamanu Veosinu. So the Divrachaim in Parshas Mishpatim addresses the question that we asked on Veela Mishpatim Ashetosim Lifneim. Why Ashetosim? These are the laws you should place before them. It should say these are the laws that you should teach them. Says the Divrachaim that the platform, the foundation of all of Torah, is the concept of Tikkun Amidas, of rectifying our character traits, our character, our, our, our Amidas. And he says, as he goes as far as to say, that before a person can truly toil in Torah or to fulfill the mitzvahs of Torah, a person needs to purify and cleanse their character. And he quotes the famous oft-quoted Chazal that says, Derech Eretz Kodma The Derech Eretz, usually translated as proper Midas, have to come before Torah. Now, Divrachim takes a little bit of a different slant. I found this very intriguing. He says that it's impossible for a person to truly grasp Torah if his midas are not intact. I always we always viewed this kind of of you know, if you're not a mensch, well don't do my mitzvahs. That's how I always viewed it. The Divrachim is saying something else. He's saying that a person can't really be observant, that a person won't really get it. He won't understand. He won't truly comprehend what the Ratzan Hashem is in Torah if his midas are rotten. It's a very different approach to this concept of Dercher, it's called Malatara. It's a much deeper thing. He's saying you're going to end up distorting Torah. You're going to corrupt the Torah itself if if your midas are not intact. And he says that that was the purpose of the days of the Sphira. So as we know, we say that in the Tefillah, after we count Sphira, that these days are made to cleanse us of our midas. And in order to cleanse us from our corruption and, and the various things that we brought upon ourselves. And then, and only then, meaning that's the purpose of why after we left Mitzrayim, on the way to Kabbalah Sotar, we had to go through this these 49 days of purification. And the Divrachim talks about this. It, again, it kicks off into a little bit of a Kabbalistic thing, but it's, it's, this is something we can, we can understand. And that is that there's a concept called Mizug Hamidus. Mizug Hamidus means, and it's, it's still like within the Shiva here of, of Al-Kashia, um, when he spoke about people who, in the name of kindness, offer money to a drug addict, so it feels like chesed. But chesed without um, 
Gvura, without limitations, is no chesed at all. It ends up killing him. So, what the same thing applies here, that each one of the Midas, Gvura, when you discipline a child, Gvura also has to have chesed. It can't be uh, discipline without any kindness. That's that, that's cruel. So every Midah has to have a fusion, a combination of the various Midas. And this is true for Chesed, Gevura, Tiferes, Netzach, Hoid, and Yesoid. Malchus is not included because Malchus has no character of its own. But each of those Midas is, has to be tempered against itself in order to create a true Baal Midas. The Divrechaim's Rebbe, the Rav Chitzurov, talks about this a great deal in his Sefer. This concept of the fusion of the Midas as being the the uh, the true way. He refers to this as the Derech Hashem. The Derech Hashem involves tempering the Midas against each other. That's the only way to really come to a true balance. That's the word. A true balance of the Midas has to be when the, when there's a fusion and a tempering of the Midas against one another. So listen to what the Dirichayim does to this. We translate the Pasuk, These are the rules that you should place in front of them. As Rashi tells us, like a, like a ready-made table. Says the Dirichayim, also means before them. Before meaning in time. Before in stature. Before in importance. Says Everything we've learned up until now, the book of Bereshis, the beginning of the book of the Shemais, has to be placed before their fulfillment of Torah Mitzvahs. The Midas have to be intact. If one's Midas are not intact, before a person approaches Torah, it will corrupt the Torah. It's not going to be a true Torah life without Tikkun Amidus, without a person rectifying. And he says further that the word Ela, if you take the gematria of the word Ela, it equals 36. Aleph is 1, Lamed is 30, He is 5, that's 36. When you take the Midas, the six Midas, and you fuse them and you combine them, each one with the other ones, with all six, you end up with Ela, which is 36 Midas. These Ela have to be placed before one can approach and observe the Torah. Now, there's a shtickle problem here. Because, and it, it is so evident, I dealt with this last week with a, a family who was struggling with their um, non-observant family members about taking a parent off of life support. And, of course, the the, uh, the line used, which is always the, the, the pushing the, the sensitivity button, was there's no quality of life. What's the point? There's no quality of life. This is cruel. So, we're living in a world where what's so-called proper um, sensitivity, conduct, character, involves 
the whim of the moment as to what is considered kind and what's considered cruel. And therefore we're subject to society's definitions. It's a very short step from there for society to decide that living leaving any one person alive is cruel to society. And therefore, people over 70, people over 80, people over 90 are draining society's funds and therefore, well, we should not pay for their medical care or we shouldn't even allow them into the hospitals because they're draining the health of society. And from there we can go to the next step, which is there are certain types of people that are a drain on society. And the, you all, it's, it's pretty obvious that it's a, a slippery slope um, easily entering into the mode of Hitler and genocide and, and everything that stems from that. So, the challenge is that the only way to truly have perfected midas is by understanding Torah. Well, if midas have to precede Torah, then how is it that a person can ever have tikkun midas before they observe Torah if you need Torah to have proper midas? So this is what we call in Yiddish, a catch-22. You can't have one without the other. We're, we're in big trouble here because you really can't, you can't have midas without Torah. You can't have Torah without midas. In Yerachim's language is only someone who is Davuk in Teres Hashem can possibly only a person who is truly connected to the Torah of Hashem has the ability of perfecting their Midas. And he draws a very interesting, he says, even in financial laws, there are things that are super logical. You can't have witnesses even if they're the tzaddik ador, they could be the most righteous people in the world who are testifying about a financial matter. If it's impossible to apply to them the law of Edom Zaymimin, their Edus, their testimony is out the window. And that, that's a, a, you know, that is something we can't go into. But it's certainly not logical. And therefore, he's saying, unless we have HaKadosh Baruch Hu's logic in the framework of Torah, we can't have, we can't possibly compare our midas to what it is that Hashem wants us and how He wants us to live. Says the Dibichayim that that's why Elah HaMishpatim HaShetosim Lefneim first appears after the giving of the Torah. Because Hashem wants to convey to us that yes, Tikkun HaMidas has to be the precedent for before we accept Torah. But I want you to understand that you can't really have proper midas without Torah. And therefore, this entire commandment that tells us that we have to perfect the midas only comes, is written in the Torah after Kabbalah Torah, after the, the Ten Commandments in Parshas Yisrael, to, to convey this message. And that's the meaning of the Mishnah in Pirkei it's in the third chapter, Mishnah 17, that we're all familiar with. Imein Torah, ein derech eretz. Imein derech eretz, ein Torah. The Chazal are already telling us that these two have to go hand in hand. You can't have proper derech eretz without Torah, and you can't have Torah without derech eretz. The Bnei Yisoscha has a Sefer, a Mishnah is called Dvarim Nechmodim. In the Sefer, he comments on why it is that the tractate that talks to us about proper character traits is called Pirkei Avais. They are the chapters of our forefathers because it's not about any given mitzvah. 
it is that which we learn from the lives of our Ovis and our Imois. They're called Pirkei Ovis. These are the chapters of the conduct of the proper manners and character traits that we learn from our Ovis. And therefore, the all of this is contained in the Torah before we receive any mitzvahs. Writes the, the Bnei Yisosher, Ki Amidos Hema Yisoid. Midos are the foundation, ve'agdama and the introduction, the kiyom mitzvahs, v'zeh kol ha'odam. This is the entire purpose of man is perfection of midos. So he says, therefore, it's called avos for two reasons. Number one is that it's about the lives of our avos. We're supposed to learn from the lives of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, of Adam, of Noach, of the Shvatim of Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, we're supposed to learn how to conduct ourselves. But the second is that we should understand that Ovis has another meaning. You find that in the laws of Shabbos and in many other places that there are Ovis and there are Toldos. There's that which precedes and there are the things that stem from them. So we are to understand that Pirkei Ovis is fundamental. It is the Av before we can even go to the Tolda of the details of mitzvahs. It is the structure, it's the foundation upon which everything is built. And therefore, says the Bnei Yisrael, the, the Mishnah starts with Moshe Kibbal Torah Misinai, that we should understand that even this tractate that deals with character is also Misinai. This isn't some, you know, nice thing on top of first you got to be from and then you can be a nice guy too. That's not how it works. Moshe Kibbal Torah Misinai, Pirkei Ovis, is part of the Torah that we received from Sinai. Parshas Lech Lecha, the Rav Shitzruvin in the Likutim on, on Parshas Lech Lecha writes about the conduct of Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov and their children and the Imoyes Hagdoshim. And he says, we don't find any record in the Torah of what Michal, the king, the Malach Michal was doing or the Malach Gavriel was doing. There's no, there are no books written about it. So he says that the Maisa Ovois, this is a fascinating thing and it's something which is uh, makes me rather uncomfortable is that which the Torah records about all of these greats are the things that they did to rectify their midos lehisnaig hepach tivam umizgam leman kveda yizbarach these are the things that our Ovis and our Himoyes did which are the things that are recorded are the things that they did that were contrary to their nature you hear? We always wonder, why is this thing recorded in the Torah? And the things that are, rec- you know, the Medrash tells us, whatever, those are not recorded in the Torah. Says the Rav Shetzirah, the things that the Torah recorded are only the things that were contrary to the nature of the inborn nature of our Oves and Imois. Those are the things that the Torah recorded. To tell us how critical it is for us to work against our nature to perfect our Midas, and that concept is not relevant to angels. Angels, there's never a, a day when an angel has to wake up and become a better angel. The angel they're created is the angel that they, uh, they cease to exist. Whereas for people, every day we live, we are expected to become a better person. Rabbeinu Mechaye, in, in uh, Parshas Yisrael, talks about the people that Yisrael told Moshe Rabbeinu to place in charge of you should place Jews from the nation 
people who are warriors, God-fearing people, truthful people, people who despise bribery, says the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, look at how great and how powerful are the advantage of a person's midas, that these people were not praised by their Torah knowledge, not by their wisdom, not by their great memories, but by their midas. As it says by Noach, Ish Tzadik Tomim It says by Avram, Vahiyat Tomim. By Yaakov, it says, Ish Tom. By Moshe, it speaks about Anav Mioid. It doesn't speak about their vast Torah knowledge. The Chol Zelahire says, Rabbeinu Bechai, all of this is to teach us, Ki Ein Iker HaChachma, that wisdom is not the main arena, that's not the goal. Ela Yosher Hamidos. Perfecting our character is where the action is. Just like the tree is not the main purpose, it's the fruit. And therefore, listen, these are very critical words, says Rabbeinu Bechai, Seichel, therefore, the Archachomim Darshan, on the seichel toiv l'chol oisehem, there is a seichel toiv to all who do, says the Rabbin of Achai. It doesn't say l'chol loim deim for all those who study the mitzvahs, who know the knowledge of the mitzvahs. Ela l'chol oisehem. It says for all of those who perfect themselves. That's the girsa in Enyankir. Meaning, we're talking about people who work on their character, on their midas, because that's the ikr of Torah, and that was that's what Hashem praises all of the tzaddikim with, and all of the others. It's interesting that uh, some years ago they interviewed Reb David Feinstein, about his father, and in the interview. Rabbi David Feinstein says, I'm not going to talk about my father's vast Torah knowledge, because that everybody knows. I'm going to talk to you about the things that we could learn from him, which is, which were his midas. He wanted to talk about Ramesh's midas, and it was a gorgeous interview. I think it was printed in Mishpacha magazine. But that's where, that's where the action is. It's in the midas. So now, let's go back. Parshas Mishpatim, we open with that the the uh, yeah, that Moshe Rabbeinu took out the Sefer Abris and he read it, read it before the nation. Tells us Rashi in the name of the Mechilta. What was it that he read? He read Sefer Bereshis. He said he wanted to show Klal Yisrael what's really where, which arena, where which area is really the area that we need to work on, and to that Klal Yisrael respond. Nasa v'nishma. Nasa, like Rabbeinu B'chai just told us, l'chol oisehem. Nasa means, yes, Moshe, we are first going to work on our midas v'nishma, and then, and only then, will we process Torah. Because a Torah that's built on a character that's flawed will be a flawed Torah. And this is not a phenomenon that only took place then. Unfortunately, it's something that's very real in, in our lives. We see great abundance of Torah knowledge and it's built on um, flawed Midas and it ends up being flawed Torah and what we're aiming for Moshe Rabbeinu was conveying to Klai Yisrael that it has to be first Nasa and then Nishman that was the praise of Klai Yisrael that we understood that that refers to the Seichel Toiv L'chol Oiseyam as Rabbeinu Bachai said the people 
who perfect their midas. When what Moshe Rabbeinu observed was the next step, and that was that Kali Yisrael understood the Catch-22, and that is that we're not looking at popular midas. We're not looking at what our culture, our society claims to be great midas. But rather, we're basing our understanding of what is a good midah based upon the Torah Dosha. And this is something that is is so widespread today. You know, it, the rudeness, let's take rudeness. So if a woman puts out her hand to, to shake my hand and I don't shake her hand, that's bad midas. Right? That's rude. No, it's not rude at all. Obviously, it has to be done in a way that's not insulting. But that's not that's not rude. Rude, the correct midas are based upon what the Rebbe Nishlam tells us he wants. And this this happens day in and day out. There are, there are people who are invited to somewhere to eat, and the person places, places in front of them something that has a heksher that's not appropriate, and they don't eat. And so what about your midas? That's not, those are not midas, toivis. That's not the definition of a good midah. It's not based upon what society thinks. It's based upon what the Torah thinks. So when Moshe Rabbeinu goes back and observes and speaks about the praises of Kalah Yisrael, he says, V'shamanu v'yosinu, that the only way to truly perfect our midahs is by first understanding the Torah and then perfecting our midahs. So again, there's this tension here of which one comes first. And it has to be, the answer is that it has to be both. We need to constantly have them in check. Now, I was still left wanting here. What, what, what's the method? How are we to understand how this is going to happen? So, I want to share with you a piece of, of Divrish Shleimah that has not yet been printed. from my great-uncle, the Balver of Zechariah the Rochel, that talks about a wonderful story that happened with our ancestor, Ramatul Chernobyl. So this is, this was the uh, Ramatul Anastapla's great-grandfather, and um, we're actually descendants of his in several different ways. And the Balver tells the following story. At Ramatul used to, it's a well-known, this is one of those uh, things that are well known in in the uh, Hasidic legends, and that is that Ramatala supported the thirty six hidden tzaddikim, and he used to go around and raise money to uh, to support these tzaddikim, and it involved huge amounts of time and energy. He would wander from from city to city in order to raise this money. Now, what he did was Ramatala the Chernobyl used to um, come to a town. And the people would gather, and he would say to people, you have to give me this amount of money. And he'd offer them abundant broches. But he demanded serious amounts of money. And the, the, his children after him, the, the Chikasazayda and many of the other children in Chernobyl used to do the same thing. They would, they would be very demanding and very specific about how much they wanted. And in reward for those 
gifts, he would promise these people tremendous brachas, wealth and children and nachas and health and all kinds of things. And these brachas would come true. And there's numerous stories about how Ramat al-Chernobyl's brachas came true as a result of these people giving him money. So there was a gabai, who was a... Usually the Rebbes chose gaboyim who were not so swift, because that way they were able to conceal what was really going on. Um... There's great legends about the gaboim of of many of the tzaddikim and, and how not smart they were. Um, but this gabe was a pretty shrewd guy, and he said to the Ramatul I don't really understand why you're doing this. If you have the keys to be able to give the kinds of brachas that cro- that causes this great wealth on behalf of the people that um, who are supporting you, why don't you just use the brachas to give yourself a bracha? And get the money from Shemayim you need that you need to support these people. Why do you have to do this in this way that you demand the money from these people and they give you the money and then you give it to the poor people? Just take the brachas from you for yourself. Go appeal on, on high to the rabbinical and you have the money that you need. Why why the need to go through this whole process? Especially because it was so trying on on Ramatul and his time and his energy. Anybody who's ever raised money knows how 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 you know how draining it is. So the Matla said like this. There's a famous Gemara in Brachis Dav Gimel. It says by David Amalek that it talks about what he did at night, or he went to sleep and, and uh, the, he woke up and and the Davin said till them, whatever the things that it says in the Gemara. Then it says when the sun began to rise. So the Chachme Yisrael came into him. And they said to him, Our master the king your nation, Klai Yisrael, needs money. So David Melech said to them, What's the problem? Go support each other. So they said to him, Number one, the a small amount can't satisfy a lion. And a pit can't be filled up from its own sand or its own water, depending on which of the Mepharshim you learn there. So basically what they were saying to him is, there isn't enough in Kla Yisrael to be able to support those who are in need. So he says to them, okay, go to war and get money from the outside. Conquer some land and steal their money. Take their money. So number one, why does it say Amcha Yisrael? When they came into David HaMelech, they said, your nation Yisrael needs money. Obviously, he knew who his nation was. Why, why, why the need for both of those terms? Also, when he says to them that go take money from one another, they said to him, you're, the, everybody needs Parnosa, so what are you saying give to one another? And moreover, the starkest question is, David the Melech was a very smart man. Why did they need to give him two metaphors? Number one, that the Kermits can't supply enough food for the lion. And secondly, that the pit can't have, it doesn't get enough from its own sand. So listen to this answer. This is so incredible. When they came into David the Melech, they were saying two separate things. They were saying, number one, there's two categories of Yidin. There is Yisrael, 
the higher level of Jews, those who are able to be Avdi Hashem most of their day and to toil and Torah, and they have all the great visions and the great depth of understanding. And then there's Amcha. And then there's the the rest of the nation who has to work hard for a living. They don't have the time to sit and learn. They don't have the time to gain all of the, the great insight that they need to gain the Ruchnius of, of Torah. And they're saying to David HaMelech, both of them are lacking. The tzaddikim are lacking money, and the nation is lacking inspiration. Amcha, Yisrael, both your nation and Yisrael, Tzrichem Banosa, they're both lacking what they need. Says David HaMelech, well, let them support each other. The Hamoinam, the nation, should give the money to the tzaddikim. And the tzaddikim will give the inspiration and will illuminate the nation with their with their Torah. That's how it's supposed to be. To which they respond, and they say to them, that the wealthy, is a person who's stingy, who's tight-fisted. So he's saying they're not willing to give up their money. They're not willing to give up to the Arisha Bechabura, to the lions of the nation, to the tzaddikim. They're not willing to give. And what's more, the boar, yes, now he's touching, not the boar, the pit, but the boar, it's even a word we use in English, the, the, the lowly person is not he's not being fulfilled from as a result, he's not, he's not getting anything from the Talmud Chacham, and therefore they're both lacking. So it's not one metaphor to convey the same idea. It's the tzaddik is missing out, and the, the nations are missing out. Says If that's the case, go take it by force. Meaning, do what I'm doing. Or tell the Hamaynam that if they want to have bracha, they're going to have to come to the tzaddik to get a bracha from him. So what the Matzah Shinova is saying to this, to this Gabbai is here's how it's got to work. The only way to get the nation, the brachas, the spiritual brachas that they need is going to be by forcing them to give the tzaddik money. They're going to recognize that if they want to have a bracha, they want to have gizunt, they want to have nachas, they want to have panos, so they got to go to the tzaddik and pay up to sustain the tzaddikim. And in turn, the tzaddik is going to give of his bracha. So don't ask me why I'm forcing people to give money to support the tzaddikim, because that's the way I'm giving to the nation. I remember hearing from my father once that that was the taich in um, somebody once asked him, what is it? We say in benching, Hashem, don't allow me to command to other people. So he said to Ramat Lachanabla, how could you possibly say those words honestly? When you just demanded of, of you know fifty people to hand over all this money and you're saying, you live off of other people's money. So Ramat Lachanabla answered, My Tvila is that what I give them should always be greater than what I'm getting from them. It should never be considered a Matnasbasavadam because what I'm giving them in spirit and in bracha and in all those things should always be of greater value. But the bottom line of what we learn from this is that there is a give and take here that by the nation supporting those who study Torah, they are become part and parcel of it and the, the beauty is here is that when they do it earnestly for the right reasons they are going to be inspired and imbued and, and given as a gift the spiritual brachas that this Talmud Chacham, that this tzaddik is getting through his Torah. 
So when somebody gifts, when somebody supports Limud HaTayra, it's not just that that's a partnership, that it's a Yisachar Zvul in partnership. Ramad Lachinov is saying something much deeper. They, in fact, are going to be getting this spiritual elevation that comes with that Limud HaTayra. They're going to be given this, I don't know if it's the same level, but certainly a hefty portion of the brachas, the spiritual brachas that the tzaddik is, is getting. So it's not just a partnership in Olam that I'm going to get credit because I supported this person's learning. It's much deeper than that. It's that the person in his partnership is going to receive the, the blessings that the Talmud Chokham, that the tzaddik is getting in his limud I'll be, um, I translated this mimer and pay attention to your uh, email boxes on Parshas Truma. That's where this is. I elaborate on it. If you're not on my uh, my list, so email me at rbzt at sbcglobal.net and I will add you to the list. This is a, a uh, no puns intended, but it's a gold mine. Of this, this is just a magnificent mimer on the benefits of contributing to the Torah and what it means to the people, to the people who give. Now, having said that, what occurred to me is that Hakadosh Baruch comes to Meishu Rabbeinu and says to Meishu Rabbeinu, "Kisisa esreish bnei Yisrael," and as we just learned in. How the Divrechaim interpreted the words of Elam Mishpatim Ashetosim Lifneim that these are the things you should place before them, meaning in order and in prominence, meaning that the lessons of the Ovis Nimois have to precede Torah. So here too, Kisisa es Roish Bnei Yisrael, when you want to uplift. The Reish, Reish we know also means beginning. It also means before. We see this in the, the Yontif that we celebrate. It's called Reish Hashanah. It's not the head of the year, it's the beginning of the year. So, HaKadosh Baruch was saying to Meish Rabbeinu that the method in which you can uplift the Reish of Bnei Yisrael, meaning that which has to precede the observance and the Limud of Torah, if you want to be able to uplift that, to drive home the message of the prominence of Tikkun Amidus, of rectifying one's character, before the intellectual pursuits and even the observances of Torah, the way to do that is with this Machzis HaShechem. Now, Meish Rabbeinu, here's this mitzvah. And it's interesting because in the Mepharshim there's, there's a lot of talk it's a toysvis and, and there's a lot of talk as to whether or not Hashem's showing the fiery coin to Moshe Rabbeinu was the result of, as it says in the other places, niskasha Moshe. That Moshe had difficulty understanding it. That's not clear here if that was the case. Whatever the case is, what is clear is that Hashem showed Moshe a fiery coin. A fiery coin that was taken from the Kisiyah Kavit. Moshe Rabbeinu finds this challenging because he's caught in this catch-22. Which one is supposed to come first, Rabbeinu Shalom? You're telling me on one hand that I can't rectify my midas 
without Torah. But I shouldn't be keeping the Torah and learning the Torah without rectifying my Midas. So Meshur Rabbeinu is caught here in a, in a quandary. So Hashem takes out a coin. And he tells him, the language of the Yerushalmi that I quoted before, is Hashem took out a fiery coin from beneath the Kisei HaKovid. And he says to him, Zed Yitnu, this is what you should give. Kazed Yitnu, like this you should give. Hashem is saying to Meish Rabbeinu that in order to address this difficulty, this challenge of where one should start is understanding as the, the Ramat Lachinabul explained that by giving to those who are learning, by giving to those who we know are tzaddikim, it will already ignite that which was taken. What, where, where else do we have this language of something coming from beneath the Kisei Covid? The only other place in my vast knowledge of Torah, the only other place that I've run into this is that the Neshamas of Klal Yisrael are chatsuva mitachas Kisei Covid. I'm sure there's many other examples that I uh, that I've missed. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu is saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, "Is you want to know how to begin this process? The Rosh Bnei so how to start this process is going to be by your supporting of Torah. So first of all, Zayitnu, give the money." help support the tzaddikim, help support the tamidichamim, help support the study of Torah. And then understand a second thing, that you should understand that by doing this, you're going to be acquiring the inspiration, not that it needs to come from the outside, but that what we understand from Sefer Bereshis as Chazal tell us that there are three Midas that come to us naturally, the Balatanya in the early Prokim talks about the fact that our Nefesh HaBahami, our very physical drive of the Jew, has in it exalted Midas. They're, they're unfortunately covered, they're influenced by the, the sickness of our society. And as a result, all too often, we're not aware of them. But if we allow ourselves to be connected and we support with our hard-earned dollars or in, in other cases with our talents and we can create a partnership the result of that is that the hashpa of giving to them will help us in our effort of Tikkun Amidus that's going to, that's going to be part of beginning this process because as Ramat Lachanabala taught, that's, that, that's the gift of supporting Torah, is that we receive the ha'ara, we receive the illumination that they are getting in their Limadat Torah. So by our supporting that, by our supporting their Limadat Torah, we are gifted the gifts of the beginning to understand how to rectify our Midas. So true, it could only happen with Torah. And we're all going to learn and we're going to acquire the knowledge of what it means to be an Elohim and what it means to rectify our Midas according to Hashem's desire. That comes with it. But in order to start the process, 
we have to understand that we have in our hands machzis hashekel. All the Mepharshim asks, why not a whole shekel? Why are we giving a half a shekel? Because the fact is that no matter which way we cut this, we need the Rabbi Nishlam to illuminate our eyes with the other half. We can only put forth half of the work. We can start with our Limadotoya, we can start with our gifting of tzedakah, we can start with our working on our midas. But no matter which way it is, we're always going to be caught in this Catch-22, and we need for the Rabbi Nishlam to step in and gift us the inspiration to to know how how to do it. So it doesn't say Asher These are the laws that you should teach It says Asher Tosim These are the laws that we have to understand. The Ela, the Ela are the thirty six midas that we discussed earlier. These things have to come first. Chazal tell us Ador Marbim Bisimcha. When the month, the month of Adar enters, then we can increase. We're called upon to increase our Simcha. The Marnaim says that Adar is made up of two things. Aleph, Dar. The Aluf HaShalaylam, the master of the world, is living, is living here. And then you can have Simcha. Based upon what we're saying here, is we understand that the very day that Chazal tell us that on the first day of Adar, that's when we start the announcement of gathering the Shkolim, the day that we can we start contributing to become partners in this inspiration, then the Rebbeinu Shlom will allow His presence to come to us. What's more is that you find in the Megillus Esther that Esther tells tells Klal Yisrael um, she tells Mordechai go gather all the Jews let them fast for me and I and my maidservants we will also fast so what's that we're also going to fast in the same way Esther was relating this very message of Ramat Lachanabla to Klal Yisrael she was saying Rabbi said there needs to be a partnership here Let's all gather together. You will fast for me and I will fast for you. You will gift to me, referring to the tzaddikim of the generation, and we will give to you. The Pasuk says, By Shalom el Rishama Shalom, the Shal gathered the nation. And as a result, when Chazal want to tell us about this mitzvah of um the language that the Mishnah uses is not machrizin, we announce the Shkolim, but mashmian ala Shkolim. We gather together all of Claudius, on all of the Madregas, we gather together with the, the message of the Madbeya, of this Madbeya, which we all know comes from the language of Teva, which is that the very nature of the Jew, the Madbeya shall esh. The very nature of the Jew that stems from Tachas Kisya Kovid, we have this potential. Moreover, it's the nature that Chazal referred to. We have it's built into our DNA, but we have to activate it, and we activate it by joining forces with the Tzaddik and with the Talmid Chachamim by giving of that Madbeya Shalech. That's the introduction. That's the Mishpatim Ashatosim Nifneim, that's the Kisisa Es Roish B'nei Yisrael. It's the beginning, 
and it's also the heads of Klal Yisrael. When we recognize that our Yiddishkeit has to be based upon a partnership, that we can't do it alone. It's impossible for us to do it alone because we'll always be stuck in this catch-22 of what comes first. Does Is it the Midas or is it the knowledge? Is it the Midas or is it the performance? If we bond ourselves with the rest of Claudius or with the greats among us and we understand that by supporting them they will give of their Ruchnias to activate that nature that's built into us the Madbeya Shalesh, the nature of the fire that comes mitachas that comes from beneath the heavenly throne, that will be activated within us by our giving, by our sharing, by our partnering and assisting those among us who are the giants of of Klal Yisrael, that in turn will um, activate the midas that are been built into us, so that we will be able to go ahead. And as Chazal tells us, Kimo to live a, a true Purim, a Purim that involves our recognizing that our Midas are not based upon popular view. In fact, look at this, look at the case of the Achashverosh puts on this great Suda and he calls the best Hechsherim, he gets the most kosher of, of everything and invites Klai Yisrael to come. And here's the king and he's inviting and he's doing it all right. So popular Midas say, hey, the king is doing all this for our benefit. We, it, it's, it's only just, it's only right that we recognize his, uh, his efforts by participating in what he's done for us. He's gone out of his way to such a degree where he's provided all the, all the best kashras, the kosher wines, the best, you, you name it, it, it was all there. Mordechai says, no, that's not the definition of Midas Tevis. The definition of Midas Tevis are to listen to G'day Torah. It's to understand that Mordechai says not to go, and while it might rub us the wrong way, the mitzvah to follow the words of the Chachamim, even when we don't understand when it appears to us to be contrary to everything we believe. And perhaps that's why on Purim there's a mitzvah of losing our das to, to intoxication. Because the goal is to get rid of what we perceive, what we understand to be right and wrong, and to be able to nullify our das to that of the Chachmei Torah. So the process begins next Shabbos with the reading of Parsha Shkolem. To enter into a world where we, we could be marbim besimcha because we're entering into a, a, time, a time frame that demands of us to create a partnership with those amongst us who have greater insight, who have greater understanding. And by our supporting them, they will shine of their understanding of what the correct midas are that we should be following, and we won't fall prey to the uh, the popular opinions of, of what they consider to be uh, midas toivas, but rather it will be consistent with the Nasavanishma and Vishamanu Vasinu at the same time. And that's why on Purim, Chazal tell us, Kima Ayudim, that on Purim there was a receiving of Torah that was equal, on par, or perhaps greater than the acceptance of Torah that took place at Harsinai. 
And by by our participating in this and understanding that the real work is, as we saw before from the Zerah that the action is where it requires us to go against the grain of our nature. As difficult as that is, the reward of it is Marvin Besimcha, that we can experience unparalleled joy. And ultimately that joy will lead us to the greatest joy, which is the joy that we'll all experience with the coming of Mashiach Tzidkenu speedily in our times.